Hello, I'm David Lee, and this is the Sustainable Scotland podcast, brought to you by The Scotsman, Scotland's national newspaper since 1817, now bringing you fresh and relevant content for the 21st century. Sustainable Scotland looks at how Scotland is doing in its efforts to be cleaner and greener, and whether this generation is genuinely leaving the world in a better state for the next. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Skills Development Scotland. So welcome to Green Skills, two little words, one massive opportunity. I'm joined for this episode by Jenny MacDonald, Sector Development and Skills Planning Manager for the Oil and Gas Transition at Skills Development Scotland, and by Lauren Braidwood, National Energy Skills Accelerator Project Manager at Energy Transition Zone Limited. Welcome to you both. Jenny, let's start with those two little words, green skills. How big a deal can green skills be for Scotland, especially in the energy sector? I mean, I think it's going to be a a really big deal. The move is going to potentially create thousands of skilled, well-paid jobs in Scotland across all industries and sectors, not just the energy sector. I mean, energy, though, is going to be at the forefront of this shift. Um, I think we can see that in the news right now, and it's really pertinent. It's really personal to everybody. Um, This means we'll need significant and sustainable investment in in people. And the industry's got to step up and they have a critical role as well. Um, When you look at recent UK-wide research from um, APITO, which is an industry body, it suggests that in the UK, to realise our ambitions, we're going to need an additional 130,000 people. 40,000 of those are going to be in new jobs. If we look at the Scottish workforce at the moment, we have 76,000 people directly employed in the sector right now. So if you look at the investment announcements that are being made, we're going to see considerable growth in the sector, and that's going to translate into, into additional jobs. And the opportunities aren't just going to be for the few in Scotland. We're moving away from um, pockets of um, employment and there's real regional opportunities. So there's opportunities for people in this transition that might not have had these before. So that's really exciting. And there's a real opportunity to capitalise on that. Thanks very much, Jenny. If I can come to you, Lauren, sometimes people can be a bit baffled, even intimidated by some of the language used around green skills, green energy, sustainability and so on. So can you tell us when we talk about the energy transition, what do we mean in simple terms? So energy transition is the process of transforming the global energy sector from carbon heavy fuels to low and eventually zero carbon. At its core, it's it's about lowering CO2 emissions and creating a more sustainable energy industry. In in a practical sense, it's about improving processes, uh, about adapting existing technology, um, leveraging new technology, kind of thinking outside the box as well and fostering innovation. So our our businesses, people and the wider community need to be kind of prepared for these changes, for that transition, that transformation. Um, But they also need to be at the centre of it if we want this transition to be fair uh, and just and truly sustainable in the long term, then it is very important for people to be to be central to that. And when we talk about energy transition in Scotland, broadly, a big part of that is moving away from, as you said, 
kind of fossil fuels, oil and gas over towards kind of renewable energy. What about your own personal energy transition? Uh, you, you've moved across the divide already, haven't you? Yeah, I've, uh, I've done a few transitions in my, in my career. <laughs> so I, I started off studying the stars, actually. I, I took astronomy at Glasgow University. And for a while, I considered an academic route. Um, but I felt like I needed something, I wanted something more kind of practical and tangible. So um, I moved my sights from the skies above us <laughs> to the ground below. Uh, and I retrained quite early on in my career. Um, I did geophysics as a master's. Um, and I went on to work for an oil and gas service company doing, uh, doing data processing. Um, I then moved into project and people management, working with specialists to, to acquire the data that I'd actually previously processed, but with a really big focus on data quality, but also um, acquisition efficiency and safety. Lauren then spent nine years in the oil and gas industry at a time of real change and disruption. Um, obviously, over that nine years, I, I witnessed a few ups and downs in the industry, um, more than one downturn. I was a, a lucky individual um, not to lose my job, but the uncertainty of that time, it, it affects everyone involved. Um, and it was very hard to watch colleagues and friends be made redundant, go through that anxiety and that stress. And, and so often they would be saying, what, what do I do next? We had these super people with great skills, great capabilities, you know, they were enthusiastic. They wanted to be part of the energy industry, but they didn't see a future for themselves in it. And there was no clear route for them to follow. A lot of them moved area. Um, they went into academia, finance, business, um, all these great people lost from the energy industry. And, and I saw this happen time and time again. So that partly gave me the the push to, to move myself away from oil and gas. Um, I wanted more job stability, but I also wanted to, to help build a more sustainable future for others so that less people would be facing that dilemma that I'd seen so many times. Um, and also I really do believe that the energy transition is essential. Um, oil and gas continue to bring a lot of benefits to us, but by embracing and promoting energy transition, I hope it can be part of, sort of bringing that, that greener future to us sooner. In terms of where you're working now, Lauren, can you tell us a bit about the Energy Transition Zone or ETZ and the wider National Energy Skills Accelerator? There are a lot of initiatives going on. Yeah, sure. So ETZ Limited itself um, is a non-profit company. It's focused on repositioning the northeast of Scotland as a net zero energy cluster. The, the physical transition, energy transition zone is a key building block to, to achieving that. Um, the zone itself is an area of primarily industrial space uh, to the south of Aberdeen City, next to the, the New South Harbour. Uh, the majority of the sites there are brownfields, so that means they've been developed previously. And a lot of them are, are either dilapidated or they're occupied by um, older buildings that aren't really up to sort of modern energy efficient standards. So ETZ Limited are working with community, um, industry and investors to really regenerate that area. We're wanting to create like a really exciting, energy efficient, environmentally conscious zone uh, that can be a focal point for renewable and, and low carbon industries such as 
offshore wind and, and hydrogen. So we've got a big focus on bringing high value manufacturing to the region, as well as supporting supply chain companies to, to transition themselves and, and to grow and expand into these new opportunities. Um, with that, we've got research and development um, and innovative um, incubators. They're really key to making sure that the zone's sustainable, that it brings leading edge ideas and startup companies um, to see us through into the future. But then there's the skills component. Um, and, and that brings us on to the, the National Energy Skills Accelerator, or NESA, as I like to call it. <laughs> and so NESA was created to sort of bring together the Northeast's leading educational institutions and be a, a one-stop shop for industry to, to prepare the workforce for the opportunities that energy transition is going to bring. I asked Lauren about a report on the scale of the green skills opportunity in Scotland by Robert Gordon University in Aberdeen, often known as RGU. Um, RGU released a report called Making the Switch, which predicts that the region's um, offshore energy sector could support over 50,000 jobs by 2030, which is actually an increase on the, the 45,000 um, that supported and employed today. So it goes to show that the potentially huge impact on um, the Northeast economy and communities the energy transition could have um, as companies move into these new greener avenues and new technologies become mainstream and um, the skills and qualifications that the workforce needs will, will also have to change and transition. Okay and I think that leads us quite nicely into the Climate Emergency Skills Action Plan. Uh, Jenny can you just tell us a bit about the Skills Action Plan and what's its purpose? We've heard some big numbers, 45,000, 50,000 jobs, etc. What is the potential in terms of the number of green jobs that could be created? So if I take the plan first, the Climate Emergency Skills Action Plan, I call it affectionately CSAP day to day, um, was created to ensure people learning and working in Scotland capitalise on the green jobs. So the action plan um, really sets out a series of priority areas and it focuses on employers, education and individuals and there's a strong focus on six sectors so energy is one so the plan plays a crucial role in it and it really is that sort of um, overarching umbrella um, there's real areas of commonality when we look at some of these green skills and um, challenges and where we need to focus so it's really about how we plan for that and it really aligns to the climate change strategy for Scotland and um, so it really brings people into sharp focus. Jenny says that Lauren's story of her own jobs transition will resonate with many, many people in Scotland. And it is really personal in a lot of regions. You know, people are sitting there and they know their brother, aunt or uncle is working in the sector and there is big changes. And I think that we all, um, industry and um, government bodies like ourselves in the skill system, we really need to make sure this is planned as possible, that there is pathways and routes for people. Um, because regions such as the Northeast, we've got great jobs that we need for this transition. Um, and we really need to support people and work closely to do that. In terms of the second point, in terms of numbers of jobs, I think we've highlighted some really big numbers there. So to emphasize again, it has a potential to create thousands of jobs in Scotland. But I think again, what does that mean for people? When are they actually going to see some of these announcements turn into jobs? 
And when we look and we speak with industry, they're starting to indicate and they're gaining confidence in this, that this is going to start ramping up jobs from about 2026 onwards, only a few years away, but we still have time to plan. And it's really critical that skills systems, that's um, colleges and universities and the apprenticeships, we all work closely with industry so that we can plan for this in the next few years. You're listening to the podcast Green Skills, Two Little Words, One Massive Opportunity with Jenny MacDonald of Skills Development Scotland and Lauren Braidwood from the Energy Transition Zone in Aberdeen. This podcast is brought to you by The Scotsman in partnership with Skills Development Scotland and it's part of the Sustainable Scotland podcast series. If you'd like to discuss partnering up with The Scotsman for an episode of Sustainable Scotland, please email podcasts at scotsman.com. Going back to green skills, I asked Jenny MacDonald for specific examples of what some of the new jobs might look like in the green skills economy and how they've changed from previous roles or in some cases perhaps not changed so much at all. I think that's a great question. Really what it is, it's about adapting the skills to all energy jobs. I think Lauren um, described that really, really well and was a great example of that. The energy transition isn't going to be a linear process. So new projects are going to come online all the time. So what we need is um, for the workforce to be, I like to call it cross-skilled, where they've got a core set of skills, but they're able to perhaps work on a hydrogen project and then back to an oil and gas decarbonisation project um, and then maybe on to a wind project. And I think that's the way that that is likely to go for the next 15 years or so, especially as um, we make this transition. Welding is another great example as well. It's a traditional role that's going to actually be critical for green energy. And I don't think people... Um, recognize that um, at this stage but we're going to need thousands of welders for fabrication and welding work for these new wind turbines that are going to go out for Scotland. Health and safety advisors offshore for example will now be probably doing more carbon emissions checks than they've ever done before so big you know adaptable skill sets and so there's lots of opportunities for people. I think um, it's worth pointing out as well that there's a lot of transferability in the skills that people have. The UK offshore energy Workforce Transferability Review um, concluded that you know over 90% of the UK's current oil and gas um, workforce have medium to high skills transferability. They might not know it, but but they they are very much applicable in these in these new industries. Um, that's why things like upskilling and reskilling are going to be just as important as your new skilling, which I guess would be your school leavers. Um, and maybe your graduate degrees and things like that is not all about that short courses vocational courses um, and moving the um, the current workforce into these these greener industries is really really important too. I think if I can just come in on Lauren's point as well about those new entrants I think to create a diverse workforce and that's obviously what is part of a just transition when we look at new entrant pathways we need to be much more broad about that approach. It isn't just about young talent coming in. That is a critical component of this when we're looking at making the, the demand needs, but we need to look at women returners, different parts of the labor market, um, because we're, we're gonna need thousands of people. And I think that's, that's where it gets really exciting. And that's how we diversify what was perhaps more a traditional demographic um, in these high carbon sectors. And you touched earlier on, Jenny, uh, on you mentioned apprenticeships. That's obviously going to be a big part of, of this transition. How are, broadly speaking, apprenticeships being refreshed for a new era of green skills? Um, again, there's a lot of work underway. Um, we 
work very closely with employers and apprentices and young people. And what comes through really strongly is that they want to support the change and contribute to a greener future. So we all want this. We're all seeing the effects, the latest heat wave, the energy crisis. So there's definitely an appetite for change. And I think there's a demand for the pace to be um, accelerated. So when we look at the Scottish apprenticeship system, it too has a, a critical role as part of the pathways um, to support our net zero ambitions. So we have the Scottish Apprenticeship Advisory Board. It's an independent industry-led body and was set up to ensure apprenticeships are demand-led. So they announced last year um, at COP26 that their intentions um, were very much on green elements across all apprenticeships. Um, a real life example of, of sort of this in practice though is All Energy Apprenticeship Programme, which was launched in Scotland and was a collaboration with um, industry and APITO. So future-proofing them for what's um, coming ahead, building their awareness in emerging technology areas such as hydrogen and carbon capture storage. So it's really about future-proofing them for the opportunities. And I think it's really worth noting that this is a really complicated landscape. The energy sector isn't just Scotland-wide, it's UK-wide and it's global. So the achievement of an all-energy apprenticeship, it's a real first, it's huge. So I think it shows Scotland leading the way. Um, and the young people that go on this um, programme, you know, they can take these skills anywhere in the world. They can hopefully stay in Scotland and contribute to our transition, but they could hone their skills. They can export those internationally. Great. Thank, thanks very much, Jenny. That, that all sounds really exciting. And one specific project, Lauren, is, is the Net Zero Scholarship. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and what that's setting out to achieve? So the, the Net Zero Scholarship, it's a, it's a two-year wind turbine technician program. Uh, it's been created by government skills body ECITB and it's being run um, in Aberdeen by the North East Scotland College at their at their Alton's campus which is actually within the, uh, the energy transition zone plans. Um, ETZ Limited are supporting the program. We're providing bursaries of £100 a week for the full cohort of, of 12 students. Um, as well as financial support to study that the program differs from an apprenticeship in that students don't need a sponsor or an employer to put them through the program. Um, so it's, it's quite important step in um, increasing accessibility um, for people who maybe didn't have paths into that type of work. Um, I think the scholarships are a great way for learners to really start their career in the energy sector. So, you know, they, they develop engineering knowledge and skills, they get an understanding of new technologies that are required for delivering net zero. You know, that includes digital skills, which are highlighted again and again as being really important for, for now and the future. But there's also a lot of industry involvement. So employers and students get lots of opportunities to, to get to know each other um, with the goal of, of employment at the end of the day. And programs like these scholarships are so important. In fact, they're, they're essential in meeting that people supply um, kind of dilemma that we've been forecast um, on avoiding workforce shortages, uh, increasing accessibility to green jobs, and they provide pathways into the energy industry for people who might not otherwise have been able to train or, or retrain and therefore benefit from the opportunities that the energy transition um, is going to bring. I mean, there's loads, there's loads going on here. I mean, Jenny, obviously priorities change over time, you know, government priorities change and their agencies 
private companies' priorities change, and all these big external factors we've seen in recent years that have affected all industries, Brexit, COVID-19, and particularly with relation to energy, uh, the Ukraine war, and so on. So how on earth do you get it right? How on earth do you get that future skills planning under, under constant review in the light of all this to make sure it really serves those future economic needs? Is that something that keeps you awake at night? <laughs> It could do, <laughs> um, but we do have a set of national forecasts. So it, um, at Skills Development Scotland, we have some very clever people that pull these together for us very regularly. Um, and we really cascade these national forecasts um, across the skills system. So they're called skills investment plans or sector skills assessments. They're available online, so anybody can access them. Um, is it that they're going to tell us that we need 12 plumbers in Lerwick next week? Um, no, it doesn't. Um, it shows us directionally where the pressure points are um, in the economy, which is a really important thing for skills providers to understand um, for all the reasons that we've been sort of talking about. Um, it does involve this forecasting, though, extensive and ongoing engagement with employers. Jenny goes on to explain that this means identifying pressure points in the skills system. What causes them? and how to respond quickly and find new ways of doing things. We firmly believe that the old models of two or three year courses are not going to work in this labour market that we're facing. You know, this accelerated change, there's a role for them, but we need to encourage focus on upskilling and reskilling. So the pandemic was a great example of provision being moved online you know, and shorter, sharper courses. So we think the ingredients are there to meet that challenge. I think it's also worth mentioning that we can't discuss economic growth without discussing inequality. And it is a drag on growth. Um, we have to continue to work to understand these barriers and overcome them. Um, are we offering the right conditions in terms of flexible work practices, access to relevant training and opportunities and so on? So there's a significant body of work that's taken place in the last five years to address that issue. So we're starting to see progress and the gap is um, narrowing. Um, but a lot of this is societal um, rather than at the roots of the, the problem in, in the skills system. Um, I think what we're really trying to, to promote, and I think employers are very fully, very much fully behind it, is diversity makes sense. Lauren, if I can bring you back in, uh, we hear a lot about collaboration. It's a, it's a big, long word. It's, it's, it's really important. But how real is it and how important is it in terms of how private and public sector are working together to make the energy transition a success? Is, is that happening on the ground in practical ways and, and how vital is it? Partnership is is absolutely critical to success in, in my mind. Um, the education system needs to change to provide the, the skills that are needed for, for green energy jobs. But but as Jenny said, um, you know, the industry role in that is is critical. It's so important that those changes need to be driven um, by and made hand in hand with with industry. We want to make sure that the correct skills are developed developed at the right time as well and we can't do that without partnership without collaboration there's just no point in training loads of enthusiastic competent people for say the hydrogen sector only to find out they're missing a key competency or the jobs aren't available for another two years by which point you know they'll have gone to another area find another job they've got bills to pay like everyone else um so yeah i think that that partnership is is really really um, uh, the the, the centre of, of this transition being successful. Are you excited, Lauren? 
you took the time to decide what you wanted to do with your career to get into green energy, help build a sustainable future. How excited are you by the potential for thousands, even tens of thousands more people to do that in Scotland? I'm so excited and and I hope that even on a podcast that comes across. Um, I'm excited by the developments we're seeing today in the in the energy industry, uh, not just in Scotland, but, but across the, the world. Every day there's a new article or a new post about a project or a technology, some sort of development that really shows the energy transition is, is truly underway. We are at the start of something potentially monumental. And I think that's really encouraging from a workforce perspective. The future is going to bring a fantastic range of jobs across all levels and locations. And uh, those high value, sustainable careers are really important to individuals, as Jenny touched on before. But the knock on economic benefits are really significant as well. Uh, when a workforce has quality, stable employment and is part of a community that genuinely values both its people and its environment, the impact is huge. Um, RGU's making the switch report again, it predicted that three out of five people in the Northeast will support the renewable sector by uh, 2030. Um, and, and that we can, if we can position the region as a sort of global energy hub. Um, to get that, we need commitment from industry and collaboration between organizations. But if we can take action now, there's just huge potential for the workforce to join the energy transition, but also to thrive in it, which is very exciting to me. Okay, and 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 Jenny, what will that future workforce look like? I mean, Lauren's painted a little bit of a picture there and Scotland's wider economy, maybe in 10 years time. If we do make that transition successfully, what does that workforce and the economy look like? Wow, that's a big question. Um, no pressure. Um, I would say an inclusive, thriving, world-leading renewables energy sector in Scotland. Um, I would love to see the current workforce that's adapted. They've built and used their existing skill sets. They feel valued and they're gaining experience. So those that are working now, you know, the average age of employment, when you look at the North Sea transition deal and offshore wind deal, you know, it's around the 40 mark. They will, you know, those individuals will still be in the sector. Um, they will be passing on their knowledge. We will be attracting new talent because we have capitalized on the emerging technologies. Um, we'll be much more honest and, and, and think more creatively about the new talent, new entrant pathways. So as I sort of mentioned before, yes, young people, but you know, more widely across the piece. Um, you know, and, and I really would like to see the emerging years like carbon capture and hydrogen thriving and really um, put, putting, putting Scotland, you know, right at the heart and the centre of the, the world stage for how to do an energy transition in a just way. Okay, that's great. That's a great summary there. And, and finally, Lauren, we've heard about new skilling, we've heard about reskilling, we've heard about upskilling. What about anyone who's out there who's in that position you were in a few years ago? Anyone who's worried about this transition and what it means for them? What's your, what's your message to them about what the opportunity is? I'd say that change is inevitable um, and new opportunities are, are coming. So be open-minded. Try to see these as opportunities, not, not as threats. And, and be bold. As someone who took the leap, you know, I can say from experience that taking that step being courageous, being bold, can take you places that you might be 
pleasantly surprised. Thank you so much to Lauren Braidwood and Jenny McDonald for sharing their insights in this podcast, Green Skills, Two Little Words, One Massive Opportunity. Thanks to you very much for listening to this latest episode in the Sustainable Scotland series, which is produced by The Scotsman. This episode was delivered in partnership with Skills Development Scotland. Listen out for and enjoy more episodes of Sustainable Scotland on all your main podcast platforms. Sustainable Scotland is presented by me, David Lee, and produced by Andrew Mulligan. Mm-hmm.